Dude, we don't care who listening and who not listening. All right, what's going on? Welcome to another episode of the Pacers Pod. Recording this on a Sunday afternoon, October 6th. Uh, the team should have just arrived home to Indianapolis sometime this morning after having the first two preseason games over in the country of India. And uh, that's what I'm going to be talking about today, is we, we had some basketball finally happen. So the first two preseason games out of the four are behind us, and that was when the Pacers played the Sacramento Kings uh, for the first time in the history of the NBA and of the country of India is a professional, United States professional sports team playing in India. So it made for a very interesting preseason for for interesting two preseason games, in my opinion. So um, I watched a little bit of, I think I probably watched all the preseason games last year for the Pacers, but before that, don't recall really watching much preseason basketball. Um, I do remember that, you know, normally it's, it's preseason, so it's not going to have much, um, like, it's not going to feel very significant, but I actually think that because that this game was in India and it was such a big deal to the people that were at the game, um, the crowd, and like, I think it was a big deal to the players, you know, they had to travel. I want to say they said it was like an 18 hour flight, um, you know, to get over there. And there were two games, one on Friday, one on Saturday. So to me, uh, I'm going to talk a, a little bit about both games. Um, but I think we, we got a really good first preseason game in game one against the Kings. And I thought just the fact that it was such a big deal to the people of India that were at the game that it translated onto the court for the players and the product that, um, they gave during that first game was, was really good. So it ended up being... It ended up the game ended up going into overtime and the Pacers ended up winning by one point. But um it was a it was an awesome game. And when you look at it, the Pacers had all like so we, we finally got to see the new guys in action. Um starting lineup was Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, TJ Warren, Sabonis, and Turner. And those guys played a lot of minutes in that first game. Um I want to say they were all up around 30 minutes. So Nate McMillan was playing as starters in that game. And then on the other side for the Kings, it was the same thing. They were playing all their good guys, you know, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Heald, uh, Marvin Bagley, um, Harrison Barnes, all, all of Dwayne Dedman, the, the starters for Sacramento, they played about the same amount as the Pacers did. 
and they played the right amount of time. So it's like they started the game. They also ended the game with the starters. So this wasn't one of those preseason games where you just start throwing guys in at weird times or sitting guys for no reason. That the more of that happened in the second game of of this of these two in India. But this specifically, all oh, this first game was such a treat to watch. Uh, one because um, the Pacers were playing from behind basically the whole game. Um, Sacramento got out to like I'm not, I I think that they, at one point in the first quarter they were up by almost nineteen like nineteen points or something, and this was up again. You know this was it's it's preseason so you didn't have to feel too bad about it. But I remember thinking like this I want to see these guys you know. Um, beat this this Kings team because you, you were you could see that we were going up against their starters and uh the Kings just start, got off to a better start than the Pacers but uh we were able to turn the ship there and really I think overall at the end of the game so the score ended up being 132 to 131 um but looking back at, at the game I mean the Pacers starters all played really well and I think it's just kind of looking back through the box scores is um it's encouraging because each player I thought showed flashes of what we need from them this year. And like, just to start with a new guy, TJ Warren um, and Jeremy Lamb for that matter, they, those guys were both aggressive to start with. So TJ Warren actually led the Pacers in shot attempts. He took 18 field goal attempts but he was nailing them. So he went, he hit five threes. Um, he hit two clutch threes down at the very end of, of the game. Uh, actually, he hit the one to tie the game to put it into overtime. And TJ Warren ended up with 30 points in his first game as a pacer. Jeremy Lamb, uh, very similar, just to a, a little less degree, but at, he ended up with 20 points on like 12 field goal attempts. Um, so, you know, starting with those two guys, I was pleasantly surprised to see TJ Warren knocking down the three as well as he did. And then also just being so efficient uh, with his shot, you know, being 11 of 18. And I don't want to be too, um, get too caught up in the numbers, um, but it's, it is a game that I think mattered. And, you know, he played 30 minutes uh, or, you know, our starters played 30 minutes. It was, it was a pretty normalized game, I felt like. I mean, the only thing uh, that's really going to change between what I felt like preseason game number one is and then when the regular season comes is just how much better these teams get between now and then because the Pacers were bringing up, were, were you know, putting out their best team and the Kings were doing the same. So uh, to me, it was a pretty fair fight. And uh, to see TJ Warren put 30 on him, uh, that was that was pretty sweet. And then, you know, once again, I mentioned Jeremy Lamb getting 20. Uh, those guys were just not shy at all, which makes them valuable to the Pacers because uh, really their best their best abilities are to, to, to create shots. And especially when we don't have Oladipo out there right now, we need it. And I just thought that they they really they really played well. Um, if I could nitpick a little bit, just, you know, on with Jeremy Lamb, at least. It seemed like you know he had he had like some careless turnovers, um, but he still had some shots that you were that made you just really happy to see, like shots that there were just no way that um, they should have went in, but but he got him to go in, and 
He was aggressive. I thought his defense was pretty good. Same with TJ Warren, like nothing noticeably bad. And, uh, but it was just good to see those two guys combined for 50 points in the first game. Um, what else? Yeah, when you look at like the shot attempts, because that's one of the things that I'm pretty interested to see how this team balances the shot attempts throughout the year. Um, TJ Warren leading the, leading the team with 18, but then there was a lot of other guys like Sabonis, I think, was at like 16. Uh, Turner, probably around the same. You know, Lamb. Brogdon probably had 12 or 13. Uh, so a lot of the starters got uh, quite a few shots. And so I think that's probably uh, pretty indicative of what the Pacers regular season will be like, which is, you know, any one of those five guys could could lead the team in shot attempts, but they're all going to get their shot attempts. And I, I think they're all going to get at least over, you know, 10, 11, 12 a game. And then it'll just depending on the matchups or whatnot, who's got it going on. TJ Warren had it going on last night or not last. When did I watch that game? It was Friday. TJ had it going on, so he, you know, he was he was putting it up. But uh, I could see that being Sabonis as well. So, all right, like moving on from Warren and Lamb, I would, you know, it's obviously only this is this is the first game, but I was very impressed with those two and excited to see more. Um, so like, yeah, the new guys are aggressive. One of the things that I that I noticed and. Once again, just one game, but uh, the rebounding was much better. So we went full on Sabonis and Turner, and the Pacers out-rebounded the Kings 47-30 to in this game. So when you look at Sacramento, it's like, all right, they got Marvin Bagley. He is, he's probably a decent rebounder, but he's not a huge, like, he's, he's kind of on the skinnier side, I would guess, of, like, big guys. And then they also had Dwayne Dedman, who, um same he's not like a, a Joel Embiid but uh Sabonis and Turner definitely held their own down down low and, and actually kind of put a hurting on those two guys at least when you're just looking at rebounds uh so that was one of the areas that the Pacers really struggled with last year was um total rebounds and then specifically giving up offensive rebounds and maybe with the addition of Sabonis into the starting lineup um it provides better uh, rebounding personnel, and and therefore you know that could help the Pacers this year, um, not not fall victim to letting other teams get all these offensive rebounds and get second chance points. Um, so yeah, like I mentioned, the Pacers, you know, out rebounding the Kings forty seven to thirty, and then on the offensive end, they out rebounded the Kings fourteen to six. Uh, with offensive rebounds so when you look at Domas he ended up he ended the game which these this is just you know this is like the perfect stat line Sabonis 21 points 12 rebounds uh, Miles Turner 13 points 11 rebounds three steals two blocks so both of the big guys had double doubles TJ Warren gets 30 Jeremy Lamb gets 20 and then it's like all right well what about uh what about Brogdon uh, well, Brogdon didn't have the best shooting night, but he still ended the game with 15 points. And oh yeah, 14 assists. 14 assists for Brogdon, just making the whole thing go. Um, 14 assists and only two turnovers. So that's a 7-1 to one assist to turnover ratio, which is insane. Um, something to look out for, like 
what if this is kind of the normal for the Pacers? And this is without all the depot. So uh, I was just really impressed with these guys. And the fact that, you know, Sacramento, Sacramento had, was kind of in charge of the entire game. And then the Pacers just turned it on at the end and won it. And to me, that just, uh, it felt good to win that game because watching the game, it felt like it meant more than just a, uh, just a blow-off preseason game, which we'll probably see these next two preseason games will probably be more like like that, which is just, you know, oh, we're not going to see, like, we're not going to play our good guys more than uh, 12 minutes or something. But um, so I kind of glossed over Sabonis and Turner, but I thought both of those guys played really good games. Um, Domas just has, a, he has ability to just score the basketball um around the paint like he had a couple of really nice moves and like some ferocious dunks and um he looked good he looked really good and and the same with turner so uh miles you know he had two blocks in that first game that mattered and then in the second game uh the second preseason game here against the kings he played a lot less like only 19 minutes but he racked up six blocks in those 19 minutes so Turner showed us, you know, that he's still an explosive shot blocker. Um, he got after it more on the defense. He got after it more on the rebounds, you know, getting double-figure rebounds. Um, complimented Sabonis well. I give both of those guys, you know, high grades after this after these first two preseason games. And then with Brogdon, the ability to, to dish out 14 assists. I mean, how long has it been since the Pacers have had a player that put up 14 assists in a game? I mean... I, I don't know. I'd be, I, I don't know if I don't, I don't anticipate Brogdon averaging like 10 assists a game or anything, but I could see him, especially with Oladipo out, you know, maybe he is closer to, you know, eight or nine assists a game. Um, and because this is the first time he's actually been the point guard uh, on an NBA team. And um, he's, he's said that, you know, his job is to get other guys good shots and he clearly did that this game while uh, limiting his turnovers. So uh, couldn't really ask for a better start from Brogdon besides just knocking down more of his shots. I think he was five of 13 from the field. And, you know, that was one of the things that everyone talks about with Brogdon is how, is how efficient of a shooter he is. So uh, to see him have such an impactful game without the shot falling um, is very encouraging. So just that first game overall, you know, the starters got to play all those minutes against the Kings starters who played all those minutes um, and Pacers come out with a win. It feels good. All the Pacer players, I thought, um, did a great job fulfilling their probably like um, their fulfilling like the way that they can impact a game. I thought our players did that well, like. Turner's or Warren's ability to impact the game is on the offensive end, hitting buck, hitting shots, and like that's exactly what he did. And the same thing with Lamb, and you know with Turner, it's defense, and with Brogdon, it's playmaking. And so all these guys, I think the guys were doing a good job of of uh, uh, of living up to what they can do. And we had solid contribution off the bench in that game. Uh, but now to talk about. You know, the bench players on the Pacers, I'm going to use the second game of this preseason as an example because 
In the second game, uh, we definitely saw the Pacers rest their starters. So the starters, um, they all of them were under 20 minutes in the, for, in the second game. Um, if you look at the score of the second game, the Pacers blew out the Kings. It was 130 to 106, maybe. It was over a 20-point win. Uh, so that's kind of nice, too. In two games, the Pacers were scored over 130 points in both games. I know that's something I'm looking forward to seeing this year is um, if the Pacers are shooting more threes and if they're scoring more points this year than they did last year and playing a little bit faster pace. Well, these first two games definitely indicate that they have the ability to. And so it was good. It's good to see them score 130. And yeah, it's Sacramento and Sacramento is not... um, you know, Sacramento is not the Philadelphia 76ers or they're not the Denver Nuggets. But at the same time, um, they're in the Western Conference and they're a decent team and they've got a lot of talent. And so, I mean, Sacramento would probably be a playoff lock in, in the East. And so it's still a good win for the Pacers. Uh, but in that second game with the uh, with the starters not making as much of an impact, even though they still did do a lot while in the minutes that they played this was this was a game for the Pacers bench to highlight uh, their abilities and and they definitely did so the bench scored 91 of the 130 points and so um, while the Pacers were resting their starters the Kings were playing their guys a little bit more like they played uh, Marvin Bagley and De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald all those guys played almost 30 minutes um, compared to the Pacers only playing their guys 20. Uh, but the, and that was what was cool too, is because it was our bench unit putting it to uh, the better players on the Kings team. Um, so like looking at our bench. So here's the bummer: is we didn't get to see Goga, and we didn't get to see TJ Leaf play at all this in these two games. Um, both of those guys, I guess, have, were injured maybe prior to coming over to India. So. Uh, Goga, they said he has a sprained ankle. Um, nothing serious, at least. Uh, they just didn't want to. They didn't want to push it, and so uh, that was a huge bummer because I the the most excited thing I was looking the most the thing I was looking forward to the most about watching these preseason games was getting to see Goga. Uh, but yet, so we still haven't got to see Goga play, and we didn't get to see TJ Leaf, who, um, you know, the hype around TJ Leaf if there is such a thing is definitely uh, as high as it's ever been based off of what some of the, some of the, uh, some of his teammates talked about during media day, which was that, you know, TJ leaf was the one who, who seemed to make a lot of progress this summer. So I'm excited to see what TJ leaf can do. Um, But in the absence of Goga and TJ leaf, we got to see a lot of minutes from, one dude who I was not expecting to see any minutes from, which is Jakar Sampson. And I'm going to spend a little bit of time talking about Jakar here uh, ap- after a while because of the impact that he made in these two games. Um, in the first game, which was the one where it felt like it mattered the entire game, Jakar was one of the first guys off the bench. And um, I thought that was weird. But then after watching him play in these two games, I see what the Pacers like about him. So he is six foot nine. He's been in the league. This is his uh, fourth season in the league. This is his fifth team. Uh, when he got 
I don't know if he was drafted or not, but somehow he came from St. John's. That's where he played college. Uh, I mentioned he's 6'9", 214. He's basically like, I don't know, man. He's built, he, like uh, Lindsey even said this, he looks like LeBron out there in a sense of just the, the sheer physicality. And it's kind of true. Like he, 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 he's very, he's an explosive athlete. And uh, how's that making a, a LeBron James, Jakar Sampson analogy? <laughs> but, you know, LeBron's 35, so he's, he's probably coming down a little bit. Um, where was I going with that? Basically, we saw a lot of Jakar Sampson and we saw a lot of Alizé Johnson. And both of those guys, I thought, played well. Alizé hit a couple three-pointers. Um, both of those guys, they bring a lot of physicality and hustle and like just some grit to the Pacers bench. And it's nice because, you know, when you look at the other contributors from the bench, like McDermott and Holiday and really Sumner, they're a little, uh, they're not very physically imposing players. They've got a lot of skill, um, but physicality is not the strong suit of those other bench players. So it's nice to have it's nice to have these two um, that kind of bring that sort of uh, toughness to the second unit. And um, I was impressed with both Jakar Sampson and Alizé. They both played well. Uh, McDermott he played well. He hit hit some shots. He he took he took the shots when he was open. And that it almost it sucks because anytime McDermott is wide open, it he has to shoot the ball, which he does shoot the ball. But when he misses those wide open ones, you're just like, oh, like, why are you even out there? Um, but that's why he has to keep shooting them, because when he shoots enough, he hits them. And so uh, he ended up making making quite a few jumpers um, over these two games, and he looked aggressive. And uh, he, has, he had a nice defensive play, uh, so nice cuts and... Uh, McDermott's solid off the bench. He he he's shown that um, he can contribute. Um, who else? Oh, Sumner. I really liked I really liked Edmund Sumner the minutes that I watched him play. He seems super quick. Like probably he seems all he seems like he's as fast with the ball as uh, like Aaron Holiday, which is kind of nice to have coming off the bench for the Pacers. That these two guys, two young guys who are super quick with the ball, um, good playmakers. They like to they like to get the ball to the hoop. Uh, they can both stretch the floor with hitting threes. Um, Sumner hit at least one three. I know Holiday hit at least one three. Uh, both of those guys looked aggressive. They didn't seem uh, nervous. I, even I mean I was I was really impressed with Aaron Holiday and his ability to uh, pick up. He, I saw him like pick. So the Kings have Yogi Ferrell as a backup point guard and Corey Joseph and Aaron Holiday, right? So he's our he's our back he's our uh, bench bench uh, point guard. So when he's going up against other teams point point guards, it's like if he has the in some in in, in many instances he should have he should be the one with more talent. And I think that's how it is. It was against the Kings, and I think Aaron recognized that. And he just seemed to be more swaggy out there. And I saw him kind of get up in uh, Yogi, like picking him up full court. You know, Aaron just looked really springy. Um, he looked like he looked like he'd been practicing with TJ McConnell for a couple weeks. 
and learned how to get in, in get into ball handlers, not making it easy or not letting them not letting them be uh, just dribble the ball without purpose. And that's that's something that TJ McConnell brings to this team. And I think we're already starting to see it wear off on Aaron Holiday on the defensive end. And that's one of the things that I think Aaron Holiday needs more than anything this season is is to focus on other areas that he can impact this the team and, and impact the game and not just looking to get, you know, 16 points off the bench because, because we have so many other players who can score. We need we need those guys to um pick up other things. And for Aaron Holiday, it's like be a defensive menace and you know, when it comes to applying pressure on the perimeter, ball handlers, and then also, you know, play make, make get your get your teammates open, um, make the right pass. And I thought I thought Aaron did a good job of that in these first two games. And then and then with Sumner, he looked good. He had some highlight plays. Um, he's skinny, uh, but he's fast. He's pretty dynamic in the open court. Like if he has a little bit of space. It's hard for guys to stay in front of him, and he can hit the three. Uh, so I, I liked I liked what we saw from Sumner, and who else? Uh, I talked about Aaron Justin Holiday, Aaron's older brother. Um, he got a lot more minutes in the second second preseason game, and he took advantage of him. I think he he probably had eight or ten points. I know I saw him knock down a couple threes, and. Uh, he just adds extra depth to this team. And we did all this without, you know, TJ Leaf and without Goga still from the bench unit. We still don't have Victor back. Um, this Pacers team is deep, man. I think that we, especially just seeing uh, what we saw from the young guys, like it's going to be tough or it's going to be, I'm actually interested to see who makes the roster because I wouldn't mind seeing Jakar Sampson on this roster. I wouldn't mind seeing Alize Johnson. I would like to see Sumner. I definitely want to see Aaron Holiday. I want to see Justin Holiday. Um, so when you get down to the to the back end of this bench, I, I don't think we can keep all those guys. I could do the, I could write it out and see. I mean, I, you got 13 roster spots, so I have a feeling that that some of those players are going to have to go down to uh, the G League. But it's it's good to see right now. And oh, one other one other bench guy that I was really impressed with is TJ McConnell. So one of the things I really appreciate about TJ's game is his ability to get into the lane and um, actually make shots. So so he seems like someone who's not looking to score, but he will penetrate the defense and kind of find himself into a position where um, he can make a pass. And, or like it's almost like the defense is waiting to see is he going to shoot the ball is he going to pass the ball and that's exactly when TJ can usually get up a decent shot from free throw line area and he's pretty lights out at least from these two games um, he did a great job of setting up his teammates in that second game he had eight assists in like 18 minutes of action so you know he's uh, he's helping he's helping the the ball movement for the Pacers and that's one thing I noticed in both games. It seemed like the Pacers' ball movement was better this year, and it seemed like they um, 
they were getting bet they're getting way better shots than than what I remember seeing from last year. Um, shots within the offense a little bit, like not just like uh, it. It didn't seem so slow down. It slowed down, and I think that's encouraging. Um, as the Pacers do want to play faster this year, so it's good to see that they they were doing that uh, right already in the preseason. Um, it felt to me like they were shooting more threes, but really that was probably, um, I looked it up and it was a lot of it that was in my head. I mean, the Pacers did shoot more threes in these two games. Um, in the first game, they shot 27 threes. In the second game, they shot 29. Averaged that out. That's 28 attempts. Um, last year, they averaged 25 attempts a game. So uh, it's, hard to, it's hard to draw any conclusions from that. However, I would like to see the Pacers continue to push that number higher and higher. So I'd like to see them average at least 30 this year, which would put them more towards um, in that in the 20th range uh, of ranking wise in the NBA. I mean, I'm not asking for crazy numbers like the Rockets. So the Rockets lead the NBA in three point field goal attempts and they last year they averaged 45 three point attempts a game. So you got the Rockets shooting 45 and the Pacers shot 25, almost twice as many threes a game the, the Rockets were taking. So that's what the the the, the most committed three-point shooting team in the league is doing. I'm not saying that the Pacers need to get even close to that, but I think from going from 25, like let's a, let's strive to get up into that over 30, I think would really help, especially with the number of shooters that we have, because we just have a lot of guys who can knock down the three. And we saw that in the second game when the Pacers shot 15 at 29 from three-pointer. So that's something that I'm I'm going to be watching as when the regular season starts is uh, can we just keep can we get more threes up and what does that what does that look like for the Pacers offense? I mean the scoring was great these first two games against Sacramento and uh, hopefully we can keep that up. So. Um, I also wanted to talk about, or kind of just circling back. So this this trip was a trip for the Pacers was to India. You know, I mentioned this was the first first professional basketball game in India, and um, it was really cool to see how um, the NBA is is taking a global approach to the game, um, and it really it really matters. I mean, like the commissioner of the league, Adam Silver, was there um, in India, and you know, just doing talks and stuff, and and really promoting the league. In the first in the first game, it was actually kind of weird. Uh, it was it was kind of weird to watch. So the, the 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 arena that they were playing in, it felt like a college arena, or actually even smaller than a college arena. Like I would guess maybe six thousand people is what this arena held. Um, and there, it was pretty much sold out, but they had everybody in the stands for this first night in these white t-shirts for the most part. And then as it kind of, I was like, it looks like it's just a bunch of kids. And then as you start to see, like, just as you're watching the game, like different shots of the crowd, it's like, sure enough, that whole gym was basically packed full of just kids. And I guess, you know, get them while they're young. I don't know. It almost looked like a field trip the way that they had um, all these kids. And these kids were going crazy because the Pacers, you know, they brought their um, 
the the hype dudes or whatever, the guys that jump on trampolines at halftime and do dunks and and and, and uh, spend five minutes working up one section of the crowd to pass out a, a t-shirt. Well, these kids were eating that shit up, and they were passing out these little um, little like plastic basketball looking things. Um, so, anyways, it just looked like a, a field trip out there, uh, but. The, the game was still intense, even though there were just a bunch of children in, in the audience. And uh, one thing that was interesting, too, was in the first game, Sabonis, he catches an elbow going up for a rebound probably five minutes into the first quarter. And it, it, cuts, him, it cuts him in the head really bad. He starts bleeding uh, pretty severely from the head. And he, so he's holding, his, he's holding his head with his hand, and you can see the blood coming out. And... Sabonis starts walking off the court, like headed back to the locker room. And as he's walking past the locker room, like the, at this point, the blood is starting to like come over his hand and it's, it's becoming more and more evident. That's like, it's a pretty bad cut. And so he's walking past all these kids, <laughs> all these like little girls in these hijabs. And they're just like, just, you can watch their face as they recognize or realize like he's got this monster of a man, seven footer walking past him, just bleeding from his head. Uh, I got a kick out of watching their faces, and uh, I thought that was funny. Uh, I don't know if that's pretty, maybe that's just kind of sad on my part, uh, but that was fun. And it was just cool. It was cool to see the, the game uh, on the international scale, and they were showing footage of, like, so Bill Baino, he's one of the uh, coaches for the Pacers, he was doing, he like, he does, the, I think he does a lot of the coaching for um, like the NBA's programs in uh, other countries, like NBA Africa and stuff like Bill Baino just coaches a ton of that, but they were showing footage from him coaching in India. And um, it's just awesome to see, to see him coaching like these Indian guys and, you know, um, how, what am I trying to say here? It's like, there's something that's really cool about seeing a game get brought to an area that wasn't exposed to it. Um, and then the player and then like the, the, the kids in that community being able to learn how to play that game and then starting to see like, Oh shit, there's some kids who are like, here's a six foot 10 guy and he's picking up the game. Well, and like it opens up these opportunities for these really good athletes in these countries that, you know, never would have been given the opportunity or even known that that opportunity existed. The NBA is doing a, a really good job of like bringing that opportunity to these other parts of the world that aren't getting that. And, and it's interesting because at this point in time, 2019, um, and I'd be interested to know what this number was 20 years ago, like in 2000, what percentage of the league was international players. But right now it's 25%. It's like one quarter of the NBA is from somewhere other than the United States. And I would have to assume that that trend is going to continue to um, go towards a larger percentage of people coming from international. And when you look at the league right now, it's like a lot of the young players that are like not just um, like good role player type players like like uh, Sacramento has. Uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who I just love this guy. He shoots the lights out. He's probably 6'6", 6'7", maybe 6'5", I don't know exactly, but he's a shooting guard, comes off the bench. He's just rock solid. 
but he's not a transcendent player where there's a lot of international players who have the, who, if not transcendent already, like Giannis, who just won an MVP or Joel Embiid, um, they've got the potential to become transcendent, like Pascal Siakam, Luka Doncic, um, Ben Simmons. Um, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's, I'm miss, missing a bunch right now. Goga Batatse, <laughs> you know, just, uh, it just, to me, it's like there's a lot of top talent right now that's also international. And like that, those positions are changing just as much as, as overall the whole league, like the ratio of international players um, in the upper echelon of the league is also changing. So if I was an organization, I would be very interested to see what's like what kind of talent is coming from these um, areas of the globe that haven't had the game very long. And you're looking, you're really picking, um, there could be some transcendent talent that's just just now getting exposed. Uh, so it's really cool. I, I love that about the NBA. And I think that, uh, that that's one of the things that makes it really interesting is you have all these different influences um, onto a team. And so, that's what I got to say about that. Um, I mentioned Jakar Sampson. I was shocked whenever he came into the into the game, uh, the first game, uh, as one of our one of the first bench players. I thought, what is going on? Why why is it Jakar Sampson? Um, that was before I knew that Leaf and Goga uh, were injured. It, had they not been injured, I would assume that both of those guys as of right now, would slot over Jakar Sampson in the depth chart. So we may not see anything more from him once Goga and TJ Leaf are back. But uh, I was impressed with Jakar, and I would be willing to give him another chance for sure. Um, he definitely brought a lot of energy. He was aggressive on the defensive end. Um, I just did a little bit of research on him, just like quick uh, YouTube videos. I was watching his high school mixtape. And he, he is a high riser. He's a super high riser. And it also looked like he was on the same team as Mitch McGarry. If anybody remembers him from, uh, played at Michigan. And he did get drafted in the NBA pretty high, if I remember right, by like the Thunder. Uh, but I'm pretty sure Mitch McGarry was on the same high school team as Jakar Sampson, just based off of my facial recognition skills. And, uh... We'll see with Jakar. I mean, maybe maybe he makes it. We, I mean, the Pacers could definitely use an explosive 6'9 athlete. Um, he seems a little redundant with what we have with, in Alizé Johnson, but I don't know. I was impressed with him and am excited to see uh, what what he can bring. If he can bring anything to this team, that would be all bonus. Um, Not a whole lot else. Uh, it was, it was like I said, it was just, it was fun to watch the Pacers back in action. It, I love seeing Brogdon get 14 assists. I love seeing Sabonis get 20 points. I love seeing TJ Warren get 30 points. And um, now the Pacers are back uh, in the United States. Their next uh, preseason game is this Friday against the Bulls. And so hopefully we get to see Goga. Uh, that's basically what I'm looking forward to now. We've got the regular season. Uh, about two and a half weeks out before we start. So um, it's finally getting here. It's finally getting here. And I couldn't be more excited. Um, 
it should be a fun season. I think the Pacers are going to be really damn good. I think we're going to be really damn good. So um, it's it's a good time to be a fan. And uh, that's all I got to say today. Hope everybody has a great week. And I'm going to try to get start getting these out again, you know, maybe more on the weekly uh, now that we've got some basketball uh, action to talk about. So hope everyone's doing well. Peace out.